Well, I am excited to welcome you to Christ Journey family once again. And wherever you're making your connection with us, Coral Gables, Kendall Campus, across the nation, around the world, and especially to those of you who are our guests on Easter, welcome back and welcome to Daring Greatly. Now with that in mind, I need to tell you, if you ever decide to jump out of an airplane two and a half miles in the sky, it's a good idea to have a golden knight strapped to your back. The Golden Knights are the United States Army elite skydiving team, and um, Staff Sergeant Edward McQuay, who is a member of Christ Journey Kendall, shout out to Kendall, Edward, um, who brought the opportunity my way. And um, Ed, it's, would, do you, would you be interested in joining a free fall tandem jump with the Golden Knights? Uh, <laughs> my hands are already sweaty. Um, you know, I've always thought about that. I, not, I've thought about skydiving. I thought, well, you know, maybe someday, maybe someday, you know, there's bucket list stuff. And then when the invitation comes, it's like, oh my. So um, I knew I had to do it. I just knew I had to do it. So after security checks, after JAG clearance, uh, we show up on the base and we gear up, for, have the orientation, we board the plane and we head up 13,500 feet for the jump. And I'm first out. You know, the opening is right there and I'm sitting right here and it makes my palms sweaty as I already told you just to talk about it. But rather than talk about it, let's watch. You watch. I'll run. Hey, Bill, what's going on? Hey, I am so excited. I mean, this is like thrill of a lifetime. Yeah, it looks like you're dressed to do something yeah. pretty exciting today. Um, so what are you so excited about? I'm gonna jump out of a perfectly good airplane. Talk to me, you just jumped out of an oh, airplane from 13,500 incredible. feet. Incredible, incredible. So God is good all the time. Thanks for coming out and jumping Thank with the you, U.S. Jim. Army Great Golden Knights. Yeah. Thank you. Aye, aye, aye. Um, 
So what did it feel like? Okay, before the jump, it felt like, oh, this is going to be cool. This is going to be exciting. It's like the adventure. And yeah, and then when the jump comes, it's like, ah, you know, what am I doing? I'm in the air. There's no plane. And uh, it's like, I, there, it wasn't just like coasting. No, I'm plummeting toward the earth. They said 120 miles per hour. And I'm in kind of this surreal disbelief, like my, my, my mind is trying to catch up with what my body is obviously doing and we're we're above the clouds yeah and it's soaking up the beauty it's like <laughs> but um but we are skyrocketing down and uh and then this other soldier appears like that's right here. And he's taking pictures, you know. Um, and that's why you saw my cheeks flapping in the wind, didn't you? <laughs> Did you see? I mean, the, the speed. Uh, and, and then when the chute opens, there's this like jerk, this big jerk. And the next, you're kind of turning and jettisoning uh, toward that target on the ground. My flyer said, see that? That's where we're going. And it's like, okay. And it's like, um, so I am, I'm trying to process, I'm talking to the Lord. I'm talking to the Lord. Talking to the Lord. You know, this is what was happening to me. My partner says, you okay, Bill? I said, yeah, man. And inside I was saying, don't puke. Don't puke, you know, don't puke. They had, they had taught us how to land. We're supposed to come in seated, you know, with our legs extended. And as we were coming in, my, uh, the knight that had my back said, stay up on your feet. So it's like, yes, sir. <laughs> and so landed and I'm telling myself, oh, don't mess up, don't puke. Don't wobble, don't fall. You know, that's what's going on in my head. The adrenaline is pumping. My stomach is like right here. My breathing is thin and shallow. My mouth is all dry, but I'm upright. Now, I, have, I told you, I told you that I don't like heights. To be clear, I am afraid of heights. Talking about it now, my palms are still sweating, but um, they freak me out. And I told you that when I was rappelling off of a 10-story building for a Youth for Christ very worthy fundraiser. That didn't cure me, this didn't cure me. Uh, the fear is still real, but, but so then why did you do it? You're wondering, somebody's wondering that. Why did you do this? Well, not to sound too spiritual, but this is for real. I felt like God provided the invitation. I felt like God gave me the opportunity and I wanted to say yes to God. Disagree with me on that, but I'm just telling you, that's what was experiencing on my side. Then the second reason is this, um, to push through my fear and keep on growing. Because here's what I'm learning about me. The greenest growth rings in my life usually involve God calling me to the edge of my fear and then pushing me through. And not just in physical adventure, but spiritual growth as well coming to the edge and then pushing through. When God asked me, you know, forgive them for someone that I perceive to have injured me. There's my fear, push through. When God says, okay, so they are posturing themselves to be your opponent, they are opposing you. He said, love them, pray for them, pray for your enemies. There's your fear, push through. When God says to me, let go of control. It feels scary to me sometimes. I guess every time. 
Every time I want to have some semblance of control. When God says to me, you know, Bill, you really ought to talk to Lisa about that. Uh, you know, and um, there are some conversations I'm telling you that are just scary to me and men listening know that I'm not the only one in the room facing that. And in fact, sometimes some of the scariest places that God invites me to go are relational. Um, and then you want to make that harder? Just add finances to the conversation. There's my fear. I'll push on through. Push on through. So sometimes just saying no is scary. The fear of being rejected, the fear of being misunderstood, the fear of being misrepresented, you know. Uh, I want to be liked. But listen, that's the adventure of life, to, to push through fear by God's grace. So after the jump, here's what happened. I thanked Edward McQuay, who was there witnessing the whole thing. Um, I thanked Jimmy, my golden knight flying partner. I made a special point to find the female soldier whom they said had packed our chute. I said, way to go, you know. You did that perfectly. And it worked just like it was supposed to. And then the whole experience, I'm telling you this to tell you that. The, uh, it reminds me of my favorite Teddy Roosevelt quote, United States president, spoken 107 years ago this very day, April 23rd. Maybe you know this quote. It is not the critic who counts. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, who does actually strive to do the deeds, who at best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, or at worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly. Daring greatly. Life is God's gift meant to be lived on adventure through daring greatly with God. I think that's what the wisdom writer meant when he said in Proverbs chapter 28, the wicked flee when no one pursues. Always looking over their shoulder, got fear driving their life, paranoia. No, but the righteous, those by the righteousness of God, they are bold as a lion. Or the psalmist said something similar. When I called, you answered me. You greatly emboldened me. Can you imagine God emboldening your life? Does that sound like daring greatly to you? You ever had an encounter with God where you were greatly emboldened? A spiritual interaction with God that changed your life. Something coming to mind? It may have challenged you. It may have stretched you. Um, but through it, you experienced God. Meaningfully. Deeply. Daring greatly is about that. This is about God's faith in you, God's love for you, and then calling out bold faith and great love through you. And in one of the most significant Bible studies, I mean, Bible stories um, is about this. It's the story of Jacob. Jacob was the second of twins born to Rebekah and Isaac, son of Abraham, to whom God made the promise that he's going to give a great nation to bless the whole world. Now, Isaac, his promised son, is born. He's a wealthy man in his own right now. And he's got two sons of his own, firstborn Esau, firstborn twin, and then second twin was Jacob coming out of the womb, they said, grasping his brother's heel. 
Now, along the way, Big Brother trades his birthright privileges as firstborn with his little brother. A birthright was a special honor that involved a double portion of inheritance of the family and then the honor of one day being declared the family leader. And um, Big Brother Isaac... Check the story out for yourself, but unable to see further than his own appetites, uh, one day he trades that birthright to Jacob for a bowl of stew. Doesn't say if it's oxtail soup or not, but you know, it's like when we pick the story up in Genesis 27, Daddy, Daddy Isaac is preparing to die and he wants to offer the father's blessing upon his firstborn, Esau. Enter Jacob. Following his mother's scheming, he conspires with her to deceive Daddy Isaac and then to, uh, to swipe his father's blessing and cheat his brother out of it. It's like, man, this is like novella here. It's like, what a soap opera, right? Why does it matter? Because the blessing, once secured, makes the birthright binding and it can't be reversed. So by chapter 28, Genesis 28, Jacob, little brother, has now got the blessing and the birthright, and, but now he's a fugitive. He's running for his life. His big brother says, I'm gonna kill you as soon as daddy dies. And, um, and so Jacob runs. He has swindled his brother. He has deceived his father. His mother... Uh, has conspired to get him to escape because of the rage and death threat of his brother. And so now he's off to Uncle Laban's house about 400 miles away looking for a wife. Now he's in the desert, backside of nowhere as a result of his own manipulation, of his own mistakes, of his own sins. He's tired, he's sad, he's lonely. And with a rock for a pillow, he falls asleep. And uh, Genesis 28, verse 12 says he had a dream in which he saw a stairway to heaven, a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to the heaven and the angels of God were, were ascending and descending on it and he hears God say this, I am the Lord, God of your father Abraham, the God of Isaac, and I will give to you and your descendants all of this land. They will be like the dust of the earth, so numerous, right? All peoples will be blessed through you and your offspring and I am with you, I will watch over you wherever you go, I will bring Bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised. And then Jacob wakes up. And he's like, oh, Zat, surely the Lord was in this place. I didn't know it. And then the next verse says, he, in deep reverence, he says, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. And he builds an altar. Literally, he pours oil over the rock that was his pillow the night that he was invited into God's dream for his life. And then he makes a vow. In the story, he's thinking to himself, you know, if God's gonna be with me, if God's gonna watch over me, if God's gonna return me safely to my father's house, reconciling these relationships, then uh, you know what? The Lord is gonna be my God. 
the Lord is going to be my God. And then he pledges to give God a tenth of everything that comes his way out of those promises from God. Now, a tenth is the first tithe. It's the 10% off of his income. Now, I'm thinking this is better than a scene from Les Mis. You know, here's a thief who deserves judgment, a deceiver and a liar, and, in, and he deserves jail sentence, but instead he gets mercy and grace. I mean, he deserves lashing and punishment, and instead he gets blessing full of promise. How does that work? God promises his presence, his protection, his providence to restore his family and his perseverance that God will not leave until these promises are fulfilled. Now in New Testament theology, we would call that the security of the believer. That God is good on every promise he makes. And essentially what what God is doing is offering Jacob his salvation. This is God's offer of salvation to Jacob. And and Jacob says, I'm going to say yes. I mean, if God is going to watch over me, if you're going to provide for me, if you're going to take care of me and restore me to my family, and if you're going to go with me all the way, then I'm in. It's essentially what he says. You know, I'm going to go with you. Now, I don't know if that sounds like bargaining to you. Have you ever bargained with God? I mean, I have. Early in my experience of salvation as well, I said, you know, it was like, let's make a deal prayers with God. If you do this, then I'll do this. If you do this, then I'll do this. It's like, like, let's make a deal prayers. But if you've ever found yourself looking and longing for a better life and a better opportunity and found yourself in a posture of bargaining, then maybe you understand a bit of Jacob's situation, except that it wasn't his idea. God thought this up and God makes the offer. It's like, hey, take it. Here's my offer, take it. Now, and when you think about it, Jacob's not really in much of a bargaining position either, is he? I mean, his own choices have not turned out the way that he had hoped. His life has taken a turn because of his own mistakes and sins that have left him in a place he never thought he would be. And, um, and God has just offered to turn it around because of his promise. And, you know, so what happens? Jacob says, well, then I'll take it. I'm in, and it's like he's driving a stake down with God, and he says, then I'm gonna worship you. You're my God, and that means I'm gonna put you first in my life, and I'm gonna put you first in a place where it really matters to me, my resources. I'm gonna put you first in a place where I feel it, so I'm gonna give you a tithe. Something bubbles up inside of him. He says, 10% of all that you provide for me I'm going to put right out there to say, you're first in my life. Now, think about it for a second. 10% doesn't seem like a whole lot, does it? But it's, a, it, it's not so small that you don't notice it. If you've ever given anybody 10%, you, you kind of see it. But it's not so much that it cripples you, right? So what is Jacob doing? He's saying, you know, I, I'm going to put... God, first in my commitments, and and from now on, I'm going to mark this worship decision of the wake-up call God gave me to join his dream by giving 10% first to God because God comes first. 
Now, what kind of change is this? Imagine Jacob, he's stunned. He's a con man who has learned and lived his whole life grasping for himself. And now something has happened. Overwhelming grace has overcome his life and something has shifted inside. So that now instead of reaching and grasping from a self-centered, self-serving position, grace has rewired him. Grace generates life-giving generosity in him. Check the story out. Tell me if you agree. And then notice this, that giving in his life flows from forgiving that comes to him from God. Grace generates life-giving generosity because God has brought him into the flow of generous grace. You know, it's like the world says this to us, doesn't it? Be Jacob. Grab all you can, however you can. And then God says, no, 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 be mine. I've got your back. And so Jacob jumps and God is his golden knight. I've got you. I will always have you. And can I tell you, God has you. In the gospel, did you know that Jesus has offered enormous promises to you in the gospel? He said, I will always be with you. The presence, he promises his presence to be with you and in you. He promises his protection from the penalty of your sin. Instead of punishment coming in on you, he takes it upon himself. He promises his providential provision for you and all things concerning you. Jesus promised, he said, seek first the kingdom of God. That means put me first as king in your life. My righteousness, go with me on my plan. And all these things are gonna be added to you. That's his promise. And then he says, and I will be with you even to the end of the age. In other words, I'm not stopping keeping my promises until I've got you on the other side. It's a salvation offer from Jesus. And then from that offer, he's saying, take it. And when we say, yeah, I'm in, I trust it, I'll believe it, I'll receive it, then he says, then now I want you to join my mission so that all peoples on earth will be blessed. Because that's God's plan, that he changes the world by changing our lives one life at a time. And that's what Daring Greatly is about. Daring Greatly as a series is about growing in that way and Daring Greatly as a generosity initiative is about developing bolder faith and greater love that issues into grace that generates life-giving generosity to become the kind of people God uses to extend his reach in our world. Now, generosity is a spiritual value at its heart, which means that this focus is going to be on spiritual growth. God grows his kingdom by growing his people spiritually. So in daring greatly, what I'm gonna be hearing, what I'm already hearing God say that you're gonna be hearing through me is let my people grow. 
But in that growth, spiritual growth is seen and felt in very practical ways. So as we grow spiritually, our hope is that our generosity will flow into practical expressions that provide resources to upgrade communication on all three of our current campuses and then prepare us financially so that we can launch, we'll be ready to launch our next multi-site campus. I mean, that's what's going on behind the scenes. We're believing that God wants us to have five campuses up by 2020. We have three operational right now. Now, why are we doing that? Well, Jesus said something about going into all the world and seeing that everybody, nobody's left out. Everybody has a chance. A second reason might be, did you know that Miami is one of the most unchurched, unreached cities in our entire nation? And a third reason might be this, that we believe the local church is the hope of the world. This, the, lo- the local church is a refuge from the storm. It is a, uh, a family for the lonely. It's help for the hurting. And we would love to see more people add their lights to God's cross, just like we witnessed 10 baptisms yesterday uh, at the ocean baptism. More people stepping into hope from Christ. More marriages find healing and help. More kids finding God's way through God's word as they anticipate what he wants to do in their lives for their futures. And, uh, and then bringing God's blessing to the nations. Because frankly, I don't know where you're connecting with us from our, our global online church community, but I'm telling where we live, it's like, hey, if God wanted to reach this part of the whole world and maybe the whole world from us, it makes total sense that when you've got 127 nations living in your neighborhood, that if we reached our neighbors, we could reach the nation and that's their nations. And so that's part of the heartbeat behind multi-site ministry. This isn't about buildings. This is about multi multiplying communities across our city that will help people who find themselves in need. Now that may not be you today, but it's somebody and it's going to be you someday. Is that right? And we're envisioning God spreading out his blanket of care through Christ Journey Church. So our daring greatly goals are this. We want to mobilize God's people. We want to maximize God's resources. We want to multiply our future. We're going to mobilize through spiritual growth activities. So every day you join the Daring Greatly adventure, you're going to get a verse and a prayer that will connect you with what we believe God is taking us into in our lives. Every week, every Sunday, you'll get a message from God's word as a challenge and inspiring to become a Dare Greatly person, a Dare Greatly worshiper, a Dare a dare greatly manager, a dare greatly warrior, a dare greatly lover, a dare greatly kingdom builder, because when God wants to grow his kingdom, he does it by growing his people. And these are five areas of growth that we're gonna be focusing on. There's gonna be Bible reflection in groups for every age and stage of life. So we're aligning all of our groups across all of our campuses and all of our ages to all focus together on daring greatly experiences together, every age and stage. So parents, if you want your kids to uh, learn how to start trusting God in their daily lives, then don't miss a single Sunday. And family ministry has a special tool that will help you help them know how to serve God and serve others in the way that we're talking about. And so, and then if you're not in a group, ah, man, then get connected. Get connected now. We're gonna have Daring Greatly groups. They're only gonna exist for four weeks. So that's why today's the day to get connected if you're not in one yet. And Campus Pastor will tell us more about that in a second. Now, we're gonna maximize God's resources 
as we follow his lead in making our gifts and commitments. And we're going to be pursuing gifts and commitments to cover a two-year period of time. More about that some other day. And then we're going to multiply our future by being ready to act when God opens the door with our next multi-site opportunity. So in short, here's what we're doing. We're going to be giving funds to underwrite $2 million worth of upgrades to our three current communication systems on our campuses and then be ready when God opens the door for us to uh, extend his outreach to a new campus. And how we're gonna do it? Well, we're gonna do it God's way by a people that are growing to be greatly emboldened in faith and love. Or as Galatians 5, 6, Paul writes to them, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Now, if you've never been through one of these things before, I mean, you're like, what is going on here? You've never been through a generosity initiative before? Then uh, let me help you out just for a minute. It all starts by experiencing God personally and then responding in worship like Jacob does. And so what what we're going to be doing is like Jacob did, taking up God's challenge to be a dare greatly worshiper. What can you expect? Well, expect to be led to God in worship. Expect to be inspired and taught from God's truth and to do it in community where you can learn how God's truth can set you free. Even your finances. Does financial freedom interest anybody? This is part of God's promise. So you will know what the Bible teaches. You will have opportunity to grow spiritually to become the kind of people that God uses. So expect to journey with others in community. We're not doing this by ourselves. And then expect to push through some fear and some anxiety. Maybe you're already starting to feel it but expect to be asked to jump. (laughs) Expect your church to be with you. Expect God to have your back. Expect to be exhilarated and expect to land on your feet. These are the promises of God. What should you not expect? Well, don't expect arm twisting. Don't expect... Uh, empty promises, don't expect fundraising gimmicks, don't expect guilt or high pressure, don't expect a hidden agenda. I've already told you what this is about. I just told you what this is about. I told you why we're doing it. I told you what we're doing. I told you how we plan to do it. That's, that's what this is all about. So if you want to grow to be the kind of person that God can use to dare greatly in expanding his reach to our world by developing bold faith that results in generous, life-giving grace, then this is your moment. And these kind of moments don't come very often in our culture. They didn't come that way to Jacob either. So when it came, you know what he decided to do? I got a carpe diem. (laughs) this is my moment, I'm gonna seize it and I'm not gonna miss it. And then what happens? Well, as he does, it generates life in him that then results in generosity for others to have life. Now for Jacob, he called it a tithe. 
That was his idea. It just, it bubbled up. And he said, you know what? I'm putting God first. And you know what matters most in my life? My stuff. I've always been grabbing stuff. So I'm going to put God first in my stuff. I'm going to give 10% right off the top of my income to God. Now, when are you supposed to, why would you give it to God? Well, because you're worshiping him. You're putting him first. And then when am I supposed to do it? Jacob says, well, as God provides. As God provides income, then you use it to put him first. And then how am I supposed to do it? Well, better than me telling you, why don't you listen to one of our fellow journeyers who's already taking the Dare Greatly challenge as a worshiper, Althea. My name is Althea Harris, and I've been at Christ Journey for a little more than a decade now. The Lord had specifically invited me to tithe explained it, showed it to me in the Word. Why do we do, why is tithing necessary? And then of course, I promptly did nothing. I would continue to do what I'd always done, occasionally put some money in the bucket. But thank God, in 2007, Pastor White did a series called, If You Could Ask God For Anything. He talked about tithing and he asked the question, how can you make your money live longer? At that point, we had three children and I wanted my money to last for them, for their children, like the Bible says, right? That a good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children. And I knew in 2007, that was not something I could do. I wanted it because I had grown up uh, learning that money meant security. And I grabbed a hold of that lesson and thought that my money would take me through everything, see me through everything. So Pastor White talked about tithing and all the reasons we should do that and how we can make our money last by being good stewards and ultimately becoming generous, right? And, and taking on the character of God uh, to be generous givers. And I realized that I had put my money in God's place. I anticipated it. I planned for it. I spent it and was happy doing it. And then when it was gone, I missed it and then anticipated it again. And these are the emotions and that we're supposed to have for God. These are the activities that are supposed to revolve for the believer around God, not money. Every Sunday for about eight months, all I heard from the stage was God is faithful, do your part. And by the time, I'd say by year two of tithing, I was at 10% of my net. And then by the third year, I was at 10% of the gross. And I've never looked back. I learned to trust God through tithing. And it is after salvation, after understanding who Jesus Christ is and what he did for me on the cross, tithing has been the greatest revelation of my Christian walk. When I think about tithing, it is a worship because it is saying, God, I know who you are. 
And I know that you are who you say you are. So much so that this thing, this dollar bill, I know that in your hands, it is so much more powerful than anything I can do with it on my own. And so God, I'm, I'm telling you that with this very precious commodity that the earth says, this is a very precious commodity, I entrust it to you because you're trustworthy. So the better thing is to trust in God. And um, that's what I've learned through tithing. It's been amazing. A simple definition of worship is put God first. To be a dare greatly worshiper, we put God first. And Jacob says, well, then I got to put him first where I feel it. And uh, Solomon's wisdom agrees. Solomon in Proverbs chapter three says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and then honor the Lord by giving him the first part, not the leftovers, the first part of your income and then he will fill your barns. In other words, he's got your back. He'll show up, he'll take care of you. Now, frankly, for some of us, maybe you, trusting God with your money in a tithe is like scarier than jumping out of an airplane. Right? And, and I think the truth is we all face fears when it comes to our money because we're thinking something like this, will we have enough when we really need it? And, and what God is saying, yes, you will, because I've got you. I've got you, but you'll know it as you trust me. And at the same time, you're gonna hear us saying things like this, we don't give in order to get. But what happens when we give, it generates generosity and God's grace pours in even more. We'll see some of that next week. Grace generates life-giving generosity. So if you're interested, I'm telling you, here's where you can find more information. Christjourney.org slash daringgreatly. You can go to our website. You'll get all the information, what we're doing, why we're doing it, how we're doing it, what we intend to do with what we receive, et cetera. And then you can also, while you're there, you can friend us or follow us on social media, and that's how you will receive a daily prayer for the next 40 days. So every day we'll have a prayer and a verse that will connect us forward together, okay? And then speaking of prayer, our guest services are now going to be distributing prayer dots. We, we're, this is like old school, okay? But you can put on your phone or on the face of your watch uh, a dot just to remind you, please go ahead and uh, take, you can peel one off, stick it on your, uh, your device if you want upper right corner, why? Well, because when I look at my phone then, I don't know how often you look at your phone, but every time you look at your phone, you're gonna go, what is that doing? Oh, yeah. Uh, Lord, would you please bless Christ's journey's dare greatly effort and show me my part of the adventure. So you can take one, peel it off, stick it on, you know, and that's just like a reminder. That's not a commitment, that's just a reminder that says whenever you see it, pray God's blessing for all the people that will be connected. And then you can connect, speaking of connecting, you can connect into a Daring Greatly group. We're only gonna have them for the next four weeks. We're aligning all groups to this process, but you're not in a group, then connect today. I'm telling you in a month, you'll thank me. 
Something is going to happen. Something is going to change within your heart in that, generous, that generosity grace that will be stimulated. And the campus pastor is gonna tell us more about how to do that in just a moment. Also something you can do, okay, this is especially if you're still stunned and shocked by what is going on. I don't think I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna go visit, um, what's that other church? <laughs> For the next four weeks. Okay, if that's where God takes you, go. But listen to me, maybe you're thinking, oh, this is just all too much. Can I invite you to do this? Maybe your next step is just to come next week and to come the next week and to come the next week and watch. Just, you know, take the next step of faith. Maybe that would be a great dare for you to take. It's just four weeks in a row. Watch, but wherever the connection can happen, start there and then as you're exiting today, our guest services will have a Daring Greatly brochure available that you can take, review, pray, pray, pray through. And then on May 21st, we're gonna have a celebration Sunday as we take our commitment cards, you'll see one on that brochure, and we, on all of our campuses, every age and stage of life is going to come and we're gonna have a day of celebration around the commitments that we're trusting God for as he has led us. Now, if you're wondering, how am I gonna know how God is leading me? Well, that's what we're gonna be talking about the next four weeks. I can't tell you that, but God can as we open his word together. And I can also tell you this, it'll probably involve these four things. Listening to God's prompting, looking to God's promises. That's what Jacob did. He listened, <laughs> he, he looked, and then he leaned in to God's plan, really, for me? Yes, and then he said, then I'm gonna let God use me to do my part in it. So we're just gonna track those same four things as you follow God's will for you. Now, let me ask you this. Do you, do you think that there might be anybody, somebody in Miami that could benefit from God's grace like Jacob did? You know, we have any deceivers in Miami Got any liars in Miami? Got any manipulators in Miami? We got anybody like Jacob in Miami? Don't answer that. But let me ask you this. Do you still remember the night that you found yourself in the desert all by yourself thinking like, what is going on in my life? And this isn't where I thought it was gonna turn out. And then you got your taste of grace. It was like, ah. Oh. Isn't it time that somebody else get a taste of grace and get invited into the Christ journey? Would you pray with me? Gracious Lord, we thank you for the gift of your word, the gift of your presence, the gift of your story. Thank you for what you did for Jacob and how you still do that for people like me, that your grace pours out upon us in spite of the things we've done that deserve punishment, you still bring promise. So we pray that you will pour your promises out upon us over the next four weeks as we open our ears and open your word and then open our hearts to lean in to your plan. And we pray for every person this morning, especially somebody who's nervous about this right now, whose palms are a little sweaty, we pray that they will sense your spirit's presence. And maybe today you 
are ready to say, I want to know God personally through Jesus Christ. I, I would like God's blessing of love upon my life. I've lived like Jacob, I've been grasping, but if God has a gift, then I wouldn't mind receiving it. And you can join me in this prayer as a step in that direction. Lord Jesus, forgive my sins, come into my life. I receive the gift of your salvation in love. In your name I pray, now lead me. Our heads bowed just for a moment longer, but if you prayed that prayer with me and would let me ask God's blessing upon your steps of faith, would you mind just raising your hand right where you're seated? If you're joining us online, there's an orange bar on the screen that you can click and allow us to join you in prayer as well. Thank you, sister, right in the middle of the section, the center, back in the back row, God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you, sir. Right here in the front row, God bless you, man. Anybody else? Lord, thank you for these men and women who have uh, by uplifted hands signified an open heart and a willingness to take the step of faith in the journey of your adventure for their life. We pray that they would feel your presence, know your promise, and that you would fill them with this grace that starts changing things. We pray it would flow from the inside to the outside and have your joy all over it as we make our prayer in Jesus' name, amen.